be in 2 Corinthians today. I have the, the privilege of getting to preach this morning. I do that about once a year when, when Pastor Mark is gone. So then I try to fit like one year of thoughts into one morning. So, so forgive me of that. I've been just thinking a lot about kind of what's going on around us in the world today. And I started kind of, you know, in, in the sense of, as, as Pastor Mark and I were talking about this, kind of talking about the elections coming up and how we say, if only this happens, then things will get better. But as I was, as I was looking around and more, we have so much going on right now around us that's, that's really discouraging. If it's not ISIS, it's Russia. If it's not Russia, it's... It's wars elsewhere. If it's not wars elsewhere, we're discouraged by culture. We're discouraged by when we drive into to certain towns in the town square, you have rainbow flags flying above American flags. And, and if it's not the things that are happening outside us, it's Ebola. It's different flus that are building up. It's cancer. There's a lot of things around us that start to just kind of drag us down. And if you turn on the news, if, if you listen to anyone, they, they mark it on the exceptional, so you get even more of it. We live in kind of a discouraging time. But luckily we have Jesus, and we have God. So I wanted to f- kind of focus really this morning on not losing heart. And we're going to be in, in 2 Corinthians to do that. Kind of a reminder to kind of set us off or start us off. We're going to start actually in Hebrews 6. And it kind of starts the format for, for where we're going this morning and what our focus is going to be. If you turn to Hebrews 6. Actually, even before we get started, let me, let me pray for our ears. Let me pray for me. And, and we'll get started right underway. Jesus, we need your help this morning. Um, we need to, to see you and see your truths. And we need to cast our eyes on the things that are eternal, not the things that are in front of us that we see, rather those things that you tell us is true. So help me this morning to declare your word correctly and listen to your spirit, but help this body this morning listen as well. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews six seventeen through 18 says this. And kind of hold on, we're kind of going to bounce all over the place this morning. When God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Just as a reminder, first of all, as an aside, we're going to be looking at God's word this morning. This is, a, this is a, in the context of him speaking to Abraham and the promises that he has given him. But that still holds true today. We still have God's truth. We still have his oath and we still have his promise that we're going to be looking at this morning. And it is for our encouragement and our faith to hold on to. So just keep that in mind as we're looking at God's word, that this is truth that this is his oath, this is his promise. He was faithful to Abraham. He was faithful to the Israel people. He is going to be faithful to his church today. 
And as we, as we read his promises, as we read what he says, that holds true. So we're going to read 2 Corinthians in that light. So flip over there to 2 Corinthians 4. Second Corinthians four, seven through eighteen. We'll just read this whole section and then we'll go ahead and pick it apart this morning. We have but we have this treasure in jars of clay, and in a minute we're going to talk about what that treasure is, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus to bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Though we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is prepared us, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. It's going to be kind of our springboard this morning as to why we should not lose heart. And just remember, as we know, this this isn't all-encompassing. This is just a, a few areas from this text to gain encouragement from this morning. So why should we not lose heart? The context of this that Paul is writing is in 4.1 through 6, he's talking about being a light into a fallen world. He's talking about being in our culture in a time when things are dark. Sound familiar to where we are today? Yeah, I mean... The fact of the matter is, we live in a fallen world, and we are called to be lights in that world. And what he's really pointing out to the fact that maybe many of us are feeling, as we engage this world, as we engage this culture, as we're here, as we do the things that are God, that's God calling us to do, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. We're going to face hardship in that. So let us let light shine out of darkness. Let God's spirit shine through our life. And that's where we're facing today as a reminder as we look at this. We are 
and we're going to hit this in a minute. We are being renewed, but everything has not been renewed yet. We should not be surprised when we hit conflict. We should not be surprised when we hit sin. We should not be surprised when people get cancer and people hurt us. Why we still live in a fallen world. We are not in heaven yet. We are not in the new creation yet. So we're going to face these troubles. So we need this encouragement. So we're going to go through kind of these these four ideas of not losing heart. We have a purpose. We are being renewed. We are given each other. And we have a future. So let's start with we have a purpose. This is going to come from 7 through 12, I believe. And we'll just keep reiterating these parts again. We have a treasure and jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not us. We have that passage, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. We should not lose heart because we have purpose. And it's not our purpose. You see whose purpose it is in there? God's purpose. What is some of the, just as you're looking at this, what is some of the phraseology or what is some of the, really the purpose wording, for lack of better terms, that's in that? Do you see what, what God's purpose is in our lives in that passage? I'm going to engage you for a minute here. Yes. Absolutely. So the life of Jesus would be reflected in our life. And so the glory of God will be shown in our lives. The power of our life, the power of our purpose, why we're here is for God's glory to be shined through our life. And do you see it's not our power. It's not our strength. We don't get up every morning and say to some degree, all right, I'm going to work really hard today to do this. Though we do do that. We have to be reminded that we are reflected. But what's the wording here? We are jars of clay. You know what that means? You know what it means to be be jars of clay? Weak and ordinary. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I was digging into this a little bit more. A lot of times this refers to basically chamber pots. All right? The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just to, to remind us, we are weak, we are helpless, we are easily broken. But we have God and that's why I'm reading that right after I read Hebrews before that his word is true. He's saying he's going to reflect his glory through us. We have a purpose in this culture today. And we see as we are, and in a minute we're, we're going to talk about what is our purpose, but this is kind of a reminder from the passages. We're afflicted, we're crushed, we're perplexed, we're persecuted. Does that sound real fun? We're not promised an easy road. But what does he promise? He is there. He's not going to let us fall all the way. He's going to hold us. 
it's encouraging that we have God saying, I am going to uphold you. I'm not going to let you be all the way to the place of crushed, to being driven to despair, to being forsaken, because I am here, I am your God, and you are my people. I have placed you here in this time for a purpose. It's not going to be easy, but I'm going to hold you. I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to give you the strength to do what I've called you to do. So we see that through that passage, that wording, just to keep, keep reiterating this, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. Man, massive purpose in our life so that, may, so that Jesus may be manifest in our bodies. What that saying is we are going to suffer. We are going to carry around the suffering of Christ. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. We are not going to have necessarily just this health and wealth life. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. But don't lose heart because I have a purpose for you so that Jesus can be manifest through you, through your life. And this isn't just us individually. Again, I keep saying we'll hit it, but this is through his church. This is through us. This is through his body of believers that he's going to manifest himself. And again, just, just reminding you that this is not heaven yet. It's going to be it's going to be difficult. But what is our purpose? What is our calling? Why are we here? I read this quote and I just I really liked it, so I'll use it this morning. It was from a blogger. It is a reminder to me. And that's and that's one of the reasons I have. I don't know if you can see it. It's kind of faded. That's the um, memorial to the forefathers down in Plymouth, Massachusetts. A, a good place to visit, but what you hear so much is people would go to a place like this and say, if, if only it was like it used to be. If only we can go back. And, and really the idea is then everything will be made right. Then everything will be better. If only we could have the faith of the pilgrims. If only we could have the faith, faith of our founding fathers. If only we if only we if only we could be back with the greatest generation in the 50s. We hear these type of things a lot. But I read this, and I think it's, it's a great, great reminder from a blogger named Matt Walsh. He wrote this. We can only be afraid of this world if we think we were born into it by accident. We belong here. God selected us back before the earth, the sun, the stars, before everything and earmarked us for this time, for this reality, for this battle. That he's called us to right now for a purpose. As broken as it is, as hard as it is, as despairing as it is, he's called us now and here for a purpose, to reflect his glory, to reflect his name to a broken time. And, and the very little secret is it's always been a broken time. Ever since Adam and Eve, ever since Adam took that fruit, it has been a broken time. So what's our purpose? That we, we keep talking about this, we keep hitting it, that the life of Jesus would be manifest in our lives to a broken world what life, what hope, what truth is. And so 
One of, the, one of our purposes is to reflect, to be a city on a hill, to be a light. And he does this through our daily life. He does this through his church. He does this through us who, you know, the fact of the matter is we're broken people too. And another great purpose that we have is we are called to witness his name, not just reflect, but also to witness, to give words. You see this in the passage. We also believe, and so we also speak. We have a purpose to speak the word of truth into the people's lives he's placed into us. And this isn't just the idea of our workplace or our neighborhood. This is our kids. We're called to be shepherds to the next generation, to, to proclaim to them what reality, what truth is. That's one of the reasons I, I love this memorial in a sense. It starts off by one of the pillars of liberty is faith, and one of the pillars of liberty is education. And it's not just education to make us smart, but it's education of older men sitting with younger men. It's the education of older women sitting with younger women, parents sitting with kids, each other reminding each other of the great and glorious work that God has done and is doing. So we have to remember that we are called to be a holy priesthood. Turn to 1 Peter 2. First Peter 2, 9. And again, God's word, truth, right? We are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We again have that picture of dark and light and his purpose. What's his purpose? So to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out. What are some of the things, just to remind us, what are some of the things a priest would do? I'll just throw this out to you. What's, what's some of the roles of a priest? Praying for the people, absolutely. Yeah, mediating. Encouraging, absolutely. Teaching, yeah, pointing people to God, being mediated with people. Yeah, we're called, even as even as Heath was saying this morning, to be just a praying people for our culture, for our times, for what's going on. I believed, so I spoke. Our calling is to declare the glories of God. We see that in, let's read it, 1 Corinthians 13, and I think I have 15. That would be amazing because there is no 1315. That's what happens when you write these notes down. But, but really it's the idea, our calling is to declare the glory of God. We, we talk regularly about the Great Commission. Go make disciples. Go out, engage, be a part of what's going on. 
So we do not lose heart because we have a purpose. We are called here for a calling to be a part of the lives of the people that God has placed in our lives. And and I hope we see that he's saying you're here for a time, you're here for a reason to declare me right now. So he is not losing control of what's going on out there. Because he has a purpose. Number two, we do not lose heart because we are being renewed. The first is kind of an external, in a sense, an external calling that we have. But in verse 16 of Second Corinthians, where we are at, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. There is nothing that this world can throw at us that can overcome the work that God is doing in us. Because he's changing us. Let's look at renewal now for a second in Psalms 103. Psalms 103, 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We are pardoned, we are healed, we are redeemed. We are pardoned from the sins because of Jesus, we are healed, and we're redeemed. The victory really is also here. The work that Jesus did on the cross declared victory at that moment in Colossians 1, 19 through 22. Now I see why people write down their passages instead of jumping around in the Bible. Right? Colossians 1, 19 through 22. For in him... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. That is the renewal we're talking about. Is present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Why? Because of the work that Jesus had already done on the cross a couple thousand years ago. We're pardoned and healed and redeemed from a, a just God, but we're now reconciled. We're now that relationship is healed, we're pardoned, and we're being renewed. And that's happening today. That's going to happen tomorrow. And as you see, it's 
we find that joy through the various trials he's placed us in again, we are renewed. We cling to him. We cling to our hope in him. Not when it's times easy, but when we're, when we're struggling, when we look around this world and we say, what is going on? And we look at our own life and say, I don't have the strength to do this anymore. So we turn to him. And we should turn to him and we cling to him and we hope in him. And he renews us. Going on in Second Corinthians 5, it talks about our old self and our new self in 5, 4 through 6. For while we were still in this tent, we groaned, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. We are groaned, we're burdened in this life, but that's the future, right? Someday we're going to be made new. Someday we're going to be given a new body, a new life in Christ. So we are being renewed. We do not lose heart because we have purpose. We do not lose heart because God is renewing us. He is making us whole again. We do not lose heart because we are given each other. A little bit of a, a stretch, but I think it's important. Much of what Paul is writing in Second Corinthians, I think, if we notice, is a lot of this we, this us. It's this corporate message of saying, here's what God is doing through us in his church. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, just looking at the church a little bit closer, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing up with one another in love, eager maintaining the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. By grace is given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. The world, ever since the beginning of time, is crumbling. But one of the last things for these end times, and the end times is any time from when, when Jesus was crucified and rose again, as the world falls apart, we are called to be unified together, to encourage each other, to love each other, to, to witness and declare to help each other. Right? We have strength. And we're called to have strength. We're called to fight for unity. And we have the same spirit. God's going to call us together on one calling. We, have, we do not lose heart. We're coming up to our last one. We do not lose heart. We have purpose. We are being renewed. We're given each other. And we have a future. The end game is not here on earth. On 17 and 18 of 2 Corinthians where we were, for this light, for this light momentary, 
affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. There is a day coming when everything is going to be made right. We do not lose heart because we have an eternal future that's with God and that's with each other. There is nothing, again, this world can do to take our future away. Really, we could all be killed, and this is really not reality. Our reality is eternal when everything's made right, when once again we'll be able to walk and talk with God and we'll have perfect relationship with each other. I like reminding ourselves with the book of Revelation. I I hit this often, and, and just to remind us, the book of Revelation is a book of hope and encouragement. Revelation, we're going to go from Revelation 17, 14, and then go over to 21, 1 through 7. Revelation 17, 14. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. The Lamb's going to overcome the dirtiness of the world out there. There's going to be a final victory. And in 21, 1 through 7, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For this first earth and the, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and the sea no more. And, the, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice with the throne, from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with us, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with him as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That affliction, those things we list, those are going to be done away with and finished. When Jesus is on the throne, he'll be on the throne, and everything's going to be made right. We don't lose heart because, again, we have a purpose, we're being renewed, we're given each other, and we have a future. So what do we do? What's kind of our, our call to action? Just a reminder, and, and this is kind of where uh, the thoughts of you know, the kind of these upcoming, the elections come in. You know, nothing's going to be changed if we get the right president in there to put the right justices or, or the right, or the GOP or the Democrats, whoever it is, to take over the court or the, the legislature. Things aren't going to be made right if Mishu or LePage or Cutler wins, right? Things are made right as we cling to Jesus, not the hope we think we can create. There's so many things out there we think, if only this, then I can have hope. And this is over all sorts of things. If only I can have this much money. If only I can have this job. If only I could have this lifestyle. If only I can have these leaders, then things are going to be made right. 
things aren't going to be made right again until Jesus comes back and he makes things right. For now, we have to cling to Jesus and the work that he did and our action plans one is to speak the truth when we can and to reflect God in a broken world. We have a purpose. We have a calling. We have a job to do. And it's kind of hard because that job is through God's strength. That job is going to be God working through us as we cling and hope in him. So we go make disciples. We've heard that a lot. But we make disciples of our kids. We make disciples of the people in our life. And I say that because there's so often, and I don't, I don't know if you've done this, but I've done this. When you, when you check on some of us with littler kids or some of us when we're thinking of our older kids that are, that are married and gone. But with my kids, who is three and five, th- there are times of despair when I walk in their room and I see them sleeping and I think, what have I done? Where is this world going to be in 20, 30, 50 years that they're going to face? that they're going to be a part of. But then I have to remember, they have a purpose. They have a calling, too. It's not like God said, oops, I didn't mean to put them here. Good luck. But my job as a dad is to reflect truth to them, to point them to the one that can give them hope, to help them, to walk along with them, to pray for them. No matter what we face, that's our calling. It's Jesus that has to do the work. This world is is really a a house of cards, right? But Jesus will make it right. He's going to make it right. We do not need to lose heart. There's so many places in in the Bible where it talks about being encouraged, finding encouragement, finding joy. Do not be discouraged, right? And I think that's one of the places that, that even we need to work. Right, is, is coming here and celebrating and being joyful with each other and pointing each other to the great work that God's doing. Because throughout the week, it's so easy to forget because we're just bombarded with negative news. We're bombarded with hopeless stories. That's scary. But we need Jesus. And we need to not lose heart, but it's only through his power and his Holy Spirit that we're going to be able to do that, remembering that it was Jesus' work on the cross that set us free and that has given us true life. So one of the things, one of the pictures of this is communion, which we'll kind of kind of transition to now. In 1 Corinthians 23, or 1 Corinthians 11, rather, We hear this often, but we'll, we'll read it again. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is a gift that Jesus has given us to remind us of what he has done and what he's going to do. This is a gift he's given the church for us to come together and be reminded that there's going to be a day coming when we all sit together. Jesus said he won't do this again until we're all together, all of his family together, sitting together. We'll do it again and we'll say, everything's right, the victory's done. And we get to spend that time together breaking bread with Jesus. But for now, we get to be reminded of that day. But we also get to look back and be reminded that Jesus did the work, he reconciled us, he's given us a way that we can have a relationship with the Father and a relationship with each other. So as, as Mike and the team comes up, um, we have the opportunity to take communion together to remind each other of the hope that is Jesus, past, present, and future. So, so spend this time. We have it set up in stations again. And I think this is an important picture to remind us that God's given each other, given us each other. As broken, as messed up as we are, we're in this together. To, to proclaim him to each other. So we have the opportunity to go, pray with each other, point each other to Jesus as one corporate church that relies on him. So share. Share with where you're encouraged. If you need to, share with where you're struggling with what's going on, where you are hopeless, and where you need hope. So, so pray, spend the time together in this time of communion.